I want to welcome you into the Sunday preaching podcast of the Point Church located in beautiful Perdido Key, Florida. I'm Tim Coleman, the senior pastor, and we believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's Word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. I'm glad you're either downloading the sermon or listening live to our service, and I pray that this message is a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. Grab your Bible with me and go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to continue today the theme that I started last Sunday that the Lord has given me in my own personal life about freedom. I was reading this week about preaching, and someone said that preaching is really you study and you read yourself full, and then you just kind of spill over on Sunday, all right? And some of you are saying, yeah, you read yourself full. That's why you preach too long sometimes. But what really is important to me is to speak out of that overflow and to speak about what God is doing in my life, what God is saying to me. And so I feel like for this season in my life that God has given me this word freedom, freedom. I have a choice to live in the freedom that I have in Christ. Last Sunday, I just looked at verse number one with you, and of course, we looked at the baseline of freedom, and, and I just want to continue uh, that thought with you today, freedom. Uh, look at this picture up on the screen. Uh, this picture is a picture from 1945. It's the moment that some Jewish people were on a train, and they were on their way to the concentration camp. And the Allied forces stopped the train, opened up the doors, and set everyone free. Now, I hope for just a minute you can gaze at this photo and you can feel the power and the joy of liberty, the power and the joy of freedom. Notice the mom there as she's holding uh, her daughter's hand. That little child doesn't fully understand everything that's going on in the moment, but her mom is leading her uh, to freedom. I hope that maybe you could receive that as a word of discipleship, parents, as you think about the Christian journey. Look at the lady in the background walking up the hill, and she just takes just a minute to stop and, and to throw her hands out and to say, we are free. Can you believe it? We are free. We're no longer in bondage. That's a powerful picture, isn't it? It's a power, powerful picture for humanity. But I think it's a powerful picture as well that illustrates the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are all in bondage. We're on our way to death, to an eternity separated from God. But it's not the allied forces that shows up. It's the sinless son of God. 2,000 years ago that came and dwelt among us 33 and a half years after his birth, he went to the cross. He was nailed to the cross. And there he took in himself on the tree 
the sins of the world, all in the past, all in the present, and all in the future. And he took upon himself the wrath, the condemnation, the punishment that we all deserve. He took it upon himself, and he endured that so that you and I today, January 16th of 2022, that we could live in freedom, that we could live in joy, that we could live in the peace that Joe mentioned a few minutes ago as he was reading those verses. And what the Lord has been doing in my life is really bringing me to a point of focusing on the indicative, as I taught you last Sunday, that which is a fact that is who we are in Christ. I am in Christ, and that's never going to change. Versus the imperative, the life of obedience and walking with Christ, and then asking the question, if I have truly been set free in Jesus, why is it that so many Christians today are living in bondage? And I'm focusing in really on living in the bondage in our minds. I read this week a new study that came out said that one out of every two people right now are living with mental health issues. One out of two. So think about how that impacts all of us, right? We all have good seasons and bad seasons. We all have good days and bad days. We all are whistling, and then at other times we find ourselves in a dark place. One out of every two are living today in the stress of the mind. And the question that we all need to wrestle with is, is in Jesus Christ, is there a way? Is there a way to live every day but not be in the bondage of the mind, to not be in bondage in our thoughts? Paul said to the Christians there at Galatia, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to another yoke of bondage. I quoted a couple of Sundays ago from the book, uh, Get Out of Your Head by Jenny Allen, where she said that the spiritual battle of this day that's being fought right now, it is being fought between our ears in our thought process. And in that book, there's another quote I want to give you that speaks to the indicative. Right now, you, you may be downcast, you may be, as we sung a minute ago, in despair. You may feel hopeless. You may have anxiety through the roof. You may be overwhelmed with fear. But notice what Jenny said. She said, you have, you have a God-given, God-empowered, God-redeemed ability to choose what you think about. You have a choice regarding where you focus your energy. You have a choice, what you live for. Now, every day, every day, we have a choice. We don't have a choice about circumstances. Sometimes those circumstances come to us uninvited and unannounced. There are people in this church, I know, I've been on the phone this week, there are people in this church that have been smacked with circumstances. There are people in this church that have been given news that is overwhelming, that is frustrating and disappointing. 
There are people in this church that for a season in their life, they are in a battle. They're in a battle and a war between their ears and in their mind. And so many times, the circumstances of life, it beats us down. It wrestles us to the ground, and we feel hopeless, even though we know that for freedom, Christ came to set us free. Can anybody feel the tension? Anybody feel the tension here? I, I was reading this week, and a guy was talking about preaching, and he said, he said you, haven't, you haven't really preached a message unless you create some tension in the room. So we got some tension today. We know Advent, joy, peace, hope, love. And now Pastor Tim's talking about freedom, but, but, but life is wearing us down. Can anybody feel it? The battle in your mind. What am I gonna face today? What's this year gonna be like? The world's in topsy-turvy. What do we do? I'm glad Jenny wrote this book and she said and reminded us of what Galatians chapter five and verse number one says, that God has given us the ability to make some choices. We choose what we think. We choose what we live for. And in these days, I don't know about you, but I wanna live for Jesus and I want Jesus to live through me. So verse number one last week, we just simply looked at that freedom is a gift from God. I said secondly, at the end of that verse, that living in freedom is a choice that we make. And I think he goes on to unpack that a little bit. And I wanna give you just three quick things in the next three paragraphs and just really give you a big summary that, that ties into the indicative what Christ has done and is doing through us, and then how we must live, the imperative, how we respond to that. Notice in verses one through six, Paul says, Christians work smarter and not harder. Work smarter and not harder. How many of you know that some season in your life you have experienced that religion is exhausting? It's a hamster, I, I have, I'll raise both of my hands. I've experienced it. Religion is a hamster wheel that's going nowhere and it is exhausting because you feel like you never measure up, you can never do enough, and so many times you will encounter someone who will tell you, well, here's this one more thing that you need to do in order to be spiritual. And in your mind, you're thinking, haven't I done enough already? I'm exhausted. Notice what Paul says in verse number two. Of course, he's dealing with a culture where the church is spreading in Galatia, but yet there's this pressure from the Judaizers to add works to the gospel. Verse two, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Anybody just tired reading that verse? Keeping the every rule, every regulation? There's no way. Verse number four, if you choose to live that life, if you think the law is gonna justify you, you are severed from Christ you who would be justified by the law, 
you have fallen from grace. For through the Spirit, here it is, the gospel. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Can I pause right there and say, or ask, is there anybody in the room that is just eagerly craving for the hope that we have in Jesus? When our righteousness is complete, when we receive our glorified body and we don't have to battle anymore, what a day, glorious day that's going to be when Jesus returns. Verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. When we gather in a, in a gathering like this, it's very important to remember that possibly not everybody is truly a Christian. Not everybody is born again. It's important to preach the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ says you cannot earn your way to heaven. You can't work your way to heaven. The gospel of Jesus Christ is Jesus plus nothing. You can't add anything to it. It's not Jesus and circumcision, as Paul says here in uh, this chapter, referring, of course, to the covenant of the Jewish people that they had with God, signified through uh, the circumcision of all the males in the heritage of this country. Paul is saying, no, 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 that will not make you justified. It's not Jesus and circumcision. Today in 2022, let me remind you, it's not Jesus plus baptism. It's not Jesus plus communion. It's not Jesus and catechisms. There's not this great scale in the sky that's being weighed out to see whether or not it's going to tip just enough for you to get into the pearly gates. I sat down this week, praised God for his glory with a young man who accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior at lunch. Y'all don't get real excited, all right? I said he, he got saved. Yeah, that's a little bit better. And I said this to him. I said, let me, let me just ask you a question. If you were standing at the pearly gates and Jesus or St. Peter met you at the gate, and he looked at you and he said, why should I let you in? What would you say? Man, that just opened up a big conversation for us to where we got to go back to the scriptures to understand what needs to be said. There's one word and one word alone, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus being washed in the blood of the lamb, being born again, saved by his grace. You will not enter into heaven because uh, you went to a Christian school as I did growing up. You won't go to heaven because you went to seminary. You won't go to heaven because you just joined the church. You'll go to heaven because you've accepted Jesus plus nothing for your salvation. Listen to me. Please hear me. Oh, please. It's so liberating to know that works don't save you because works are a dead-end street. You can't do it. Don't even try. Paul said, if you want to go the circumcision route, 
That means you've got to keep the whole law. You've got to obey every bit of it. But what you're really doing, if you go down the exhausting religion road, you are actually severing or alienating yourself from Christ. That's what Paul said. You're not getting closer to Jesus. You're getting further away from him. As a matter of fact, the end of verse number four, he says, you have fallen from grace. Now, some people read that passage, our Arminian brethren, read that passage and say that this is an example of losing your salvation or falling away. And I would just simply say there's too much scripture in the Bible that says, I am signed, sealed, and delivered for all eternity. I'm hanging on to John chapter 10, where Jesus said, I'm in the palm of his hand, and no man is able to pluck me out of his hand. I mean, my salvation is signed, sealed, and delivered. I don't have to work to get it, and I don't have to work to keep it. What Paul is saying here, though, is that there is always going to be people in and around the truth who don't get it. The sad reality today is that there are some people that are going to go out into eternity and spend an eternity in the hell from the fifth row of the Baptist church or the tenth row of the Baptist church. Some of you are counting what row am I on right now, Mr. <laughs> Jesus said there will always be tares among the wheat. Hear me. If you've never come to the foot of the cross and said, I can't do anything, it's you, Jesus, and you alone then you're not living in the freedom that is offered in Christ. You are living in bondage. You're living in legalism. Legalism says I've got to do something. I mean, surely there's something I've got to do to inherit eternal life. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's communion. Maybe uh, it's circumcision here for these uh, folks in Galatia. But the gospel of Jesus Christ says, no, it is not by works. It's not by works of righteousness that you do, but it's by the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ through faith, through faith. So freedom, freedom. Now, now, why did I say work smarter and not hard? What does that have to do with anything? Well, look at the end of verse number six. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, here it is, but only faith working through love. Church, what really matters? Christian, what really matters today? Paul says it's faith working through love. You see, our salvation, the outflow of our salvation is that we are in the kingdom and we are laboring for the Lord. And if you're not, I need to tell you today, get off the sideline and get in the game. If you're a Christian, you can't sit off in the distance and observe. You've got to be in the middle of the battle because faith, Christ in you, leads you to work and to move, and the work that you do, you do it out of love. I love the Apostle John. I love the Apostle John. He was the man of love who was always reminding the church to love, to be loving people. How many of you believe the church ought to be the most loving place in town? Well, then act like it. 
act like it. Then if the church is going to be the most loving place in town, then we need to be the most loving people, right? I mean, we need to love one another. But you know what the church does? The, the, the church gets splintered. The body of Christ gets splintered. And we take secondary things, and the devil absolutely loves it. He loves it when we get divided over things that are not going to matter in eternity. That's why Paul said in verse number 6, it doesn't matter if you're circumcised or not. What matters is faith working in love. It doesn't matter whether you're pre-mill or amill, pre-trib or post-trib. What matters is faith working in love. It doesn't matter whether you're congregational or elder-led in your church. What matters is faith working in love. It doesn't matter whether you're traditional in your music or contemporary in your music. What matters is faith working in love. It doesn't matter what your political affiliation is. What matters is faith working in love. That's what the gospel does in us and through us. Can you see how liberating it is? Let me make one more statement before I move on. For too many years in the church, I think we have viewed the person that is the busiest is the most spiritual. How many of you have been working on a project? You're doing something, your knees are skin up or your knuckles are skin up and you've spent an extended period of time trying to accomplish something, build something or work on something and somebody just comes into your moment and says, you know, if you would just try this, that'd be a lot easier. I don't even want to just pretty much smack them in that moment, right? I spent all this time working on this. Why didn't you show up four hours ago, right, and bail me out? It's not always the busiest that is accomplishing the most. Can I prove it to you from Scripture? In your Bible reading this week on Friday, you read Luke chapter 10. And you got down to the end of the chapter, and Jesus is going to visit Mary and Martha. And Martha is doing what all the ladies in this room would be doing. I know my wife, if you're coming to our house, she's going to be, you know, in the kitchen and she's going to be vacuuming and she's got company coming and she wants everything just right. And I always say, why do I need to scrub the toilet in the back of the house with a toothbrush? They're never even going to see it. But that's what she's thinking in her mind, right? Want everything to be just right. Martha's scurrying around in the kitchen and, and she's frustrated with Mary because Mary's not busy in helping out. And Jesus looks at her, and he says to her, I think what he would say to some of us today, Martha, Martha, you're troubled. You're in this tizzy, this upheaval in your life. What is Mary doing? Mary is just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, Mary has chosen the best part. She's chosen the good part. So sometimes in your Christian journey, evaluate yourself and make sure that you're not in the bondage of busyness. You're not in the bondage of busyness, and you're missing out on the freedom of just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Just sit there and let him minister to you. 
Because I promise you, he wants to. So it's not that we're not busy. It's just that we need to work smarter instead of harder. The second thing, let me move quickly. In verses 7 through 12, freedom, freedom, freedom. In verses 7 through 12, this is so important. And and if you didn't listen to anything I just said, listen to this second point, all right? If we're going to live in freedom, true freedom, we must be discerning in life's influences. We got to be discerning in life's influence. Look at verse number seven. You were running well. Notice this penetrating question. But who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Boy, he meant business there, didn't he? Huh? Some of Paul's strongest language similar to the language in chapter one, where he said, if anyone preaches another gospel, may they go to hell. That's the exact words that Paul uses in the original language. Condemnation, condemnation. In this section, Paul is reminding them and reminding us that in life, it's like running a race. Paul, I love his sports analogies. They had a mindset, of course, of the Greek Olympics or the Greek festivals where they would run races. And Paul is giving them the imagery here that they're running and someone steps in front of them or someone trips them up or, or cuts them off, if you will, and, and they were running well and now they're not. I was studying this the other day and just really pondering it. In my Christian life, and my Christian race, I'm going to tell you who trips me up the most and the easiest. It's me. How many of you are honest enough to say you're your own worst enemy at times? Yeah. Anybody have a couple of good days? You're whistling, you know, (laughs) praising the Lord, feasting on the word. And then you'll string together three or four bad days. You bunch of lying devils. You feel joy. Anybody that, somebody somebody can say something to you or you can read something on the internet or, or, uh, or find out about some news and, and you, you just, man, your, your uh, endorphins or whatever, you felt like, man, I'm doing good today. And the next thing you know, you are spiraling into a pit. You're spiraling into a pit. Remember, I said to you just a minute ago, one out of every two people are struggling with stress, anxiety, fear, feeling overwhelmed. Can I tell you why it's that way? I believe, yes, the world's in chaos. Yes, creation is groaning. Yes, things are a mess. And yes, you shouldn't have your head in the sand. But with all that being said, let's sit this over here to the side and to say we are allowing the enemy to persuade us, to take us away 
to take us away from the indicative, to take us away from the fact of who we are and what we have in Christ. Persuasion is a powerful thing. And God sent me here today to ask you the question, who are you allowing to persuade you? It's always been this way, but with social media and all the technology that we have right now, our world is filled with voices, voices. And most of those voices, I'm not going to say all, but most of those voices are regurgitating lie after lie after lie after lie because the enemy comes to seek to kill, steal, and destroy. And here's what I know. The lies that just are being regurgitated over and over and over and over again. The truth is, there are a lot of Christians that have those lies bouncing between their ears during the day, in some cases more than Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8. You know what I found myself doing in the last few weeks? I found myself holding my hand up like this and quoting Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8. Brothers, whatever things are true, honest, just, and of good report, what am I supposed to do with those things? What? Think on these things. How are we going to be renewed as Romans chapter 12 and verse number 2 says? That we are to be renewed, transformed by the renewal of, of our minds. How are we going to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number five, I uh, used it a few weeks ago, where Paul said that we are to take every thought captive to obey Christ. Does anybody feel the tension in that verse? They say, we've got to get our minds right. I'll be honest with you, my life in seasons I struggle with stinking thinking. I just do. So what do we do with that? Now hear me out for just a minute. Please, I'm begging you. I am for biblical counseling. I am. I'm for it. I've helped some folks this week just try to get into counseling. I'm for biblical counseling. But just hear me for just a minute. You can spend an hour a week with a counselor. What are you going to do with the other 167? I'm just asking. I'm just asking. I'm not, I'm not, I've been to counseling. I'm, again, I'm not condemning counseling. I'm saying, what are you going to do with the other 167? When your mind is like a freight train running downhill, what do I do? What do I do? People deal with life a lot of different ways. Develop hurts, habits, and hangups. It could be chemical addictions you know, get inebriated, or it could be, you know, a, a, maybe a shopping addiction. I could go on and on and on. Things that, that just come into our life. It could be sports. It could be, you know, it could be hunting. It could be fishing. It could be just so many things, and it's kind of like our medicine. Nothing wrong with those things. But I'm going to tell you, church, the number one place we must run to is Jesus. 
Jesus. And let the word persuade us. Let the word shape us. Let the word lift us up. Let the word give us hope. Am I speaking to a room today of people that believe that Jesus is life and life is Jesus? Then we got to run to him. And we got to be discerning. Listen, we have to be discerning about life's influences because verse number nine says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little corruption ruins the whole batch, right? Seven days of the Passover, there was to be no leaven, no yeast used, a sign of purification. I love verse number 10, though. Paul said, I have confidence in the Lord. I have confidence in the Lord. And I think about what he said in another place, that he who has begun a good work in you will finish it. He will complete it, right? He says, I have confidence in the Lord that you're not going to get sucked into by the voices around you who are troubling you. There's going to be a penalty on them. How many of you found that there are some people, some people, not all people, that are nothing but a distraction? Don't point to your wife or husband right now. Nothing but a distraction, constant distraction in your life. Can I encourage you for just a minute to minimize and isolate some of those that are distractions in your life? Minimize and isolate so that you can get your mind right. Paul is saying that God's going to deal with them. He's going to deal with them. At the end of verse number 12, it's a, it's a very strong word of condemnation that really could go a lot of directions. But the bottom line is, Paul said, if, if someone is attacking and diverting the, the gospel and the people of Christ, they are going to experience the judgment of God. So I would say this as I move on. Be very careful in allowing people who are headed for the wrath and judgment of God to be an influence in your life. Just telling you. And that goes for social media and news channels, and we could go on and on and on. You can't think on these things if you're being persuaded by the things of this world. Let me finish in verse 13. Freedom, freedom, I have a choice. I just wanna close out this message by encouraging you to embrace your call to freedom. Verse 13, Paul says it again. He brings them right back around to the same thought in verse number one. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Church, hear me. This is a part of our evangelistic witness. Did you catch that? This is part of your evangelistic witness, that we are called to freedom. What do we have to offer a lost world that's dying on its way to hell, separated from God, living in the bondage of this world and the things of this world? What do we have to offer them? We have the freedom that we have experienced and we are living in in Christ. It has to do with our testimony. That's why Paul says, don't circle right back around and get into bondage and slavery to other things. Live in the freedom that you have. But then he gives a warning 
only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now look at me, here, here's, here's the deal here. We live in this world today, you got legalism over here and you got relativism over here. Relativism is just saying, hey, I'm free, I'm a free bird, free grace, live any way I wanna live. There's even a sect under the umbrella of, of the Christian church that says that a Christian can't sin. There's no such thing as sin. We're living in free grace. That's not in the Bible. That's twisted scripture, right? So you got legalism, you got relativism. You got rules and regulations, you got freedom. Somewhere in there is the gospel of Jesus Christ that says you're free in Christ, but you're not free to live and do anything and everything you want to do. In the letter to Titus, Paul said this. He said, we are set apart. We're peculiar. That word there doesn't mean weird. Some of you need to work on that. In your Christian, I'm trying to be funny, okay? In your Christian life, don't weird people out is what I'm trying to say, okay? Don't weird people out. Don't be weird, all right? That word peculiar there means that you and I have been called to live in some boundaries. Because I'm free in Christ, that doesn't give me the liberty to do whatever I want to do. Hear me, the, the influence of the world today is this, is that my flesh equals freedom. My flesh equals freedom. Make yourself happy. Do whatever you want to do. Be whoever you want to be. There's no one stopping you. There's no one holding you back. What a circus that has created for our world today. No boundaries. The flesh is freedom. You know what? The flesh doesn't equal freedom. I say this with compassion today, but in this transgender thing that's going on in our culture today, my heart goes out to anyone that's struggling through that mental situation. But over 50% of those who go through the process of that and changing end up taking their lives. The, the pain, the hurt that comes from that, while many are saying, hey, it's, you be you, we'll validate it. It's okay, just hear me today. God, God says it's not okay. You're either a male or a female. That's what the Bible says. And you're fearfully and wonderfully made celebrate that. But the enemy twists that, right? The enemy says, oh, just, you're flat. Do whatever you, live ever how you want to live. The flesh does not equal freedom. The flesh equals bondage. Bondage. Terrible bondage. So in our freedom, we're not, we're not to get engaged in worldly pursuits. And I want you to see verse 16. Look at verse 16 on the screen Many times we quote this, but I want to make a point about it. Paul says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. Only a Spirit-empowered Christian can truly live in freedom. Walk in the Spirit. Only a Spirit-empowered Christian can resist temptation and not give in to the allurement of the flesh. And he said, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Let me ask you something. Where do your desires come from? 
Where do they come from? They come from your mind. What you think about, what you feed on, what you desire, and then you act out on your thoughts. That's why we must, we must bring captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. How do we live our life in freedom? We live our life in freedom by giving it away to others. By giving, our, giving away to others. He says, by love, serve one another. The law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Stand up. I'm done. Let's stand. And I want you to hear me. I want everybody to look at me. You need to stretch your legs for just a second. Hear me. In the Christian community today, in the Christian community today, we are biting and devouring one another. And what we don't realize is as we're doing it, what we're really saying is I'm in bondage. I'm in the bondage of pride. We're living in a day today where some people are obsessed with being right, with being right to the exclusion of the love and grace and the freedom that Christ gives us in the body. How do we live in freedom? We don't live for ourselves. We live for others. Yeah, but Tim, people do you wrong. I say amen to that. We've all been done wrong. But people will attack you. Sure they will. Sure they will. They attacked Christ, did they not? They crucified him. People are going to say bad things about you. Oh, absolutely they're going to. People are going to question your motives. Absolutely. As we live for Christ, we're going to be attacked, but let's not give them reasons to attack us. Let's live for Christ. Let's live in the power of the Holy Spirit, and let's live in the freedom that Christ has. Now, let me close. John Baker in his book, Life's Healing Choices, says that every one of us came in here today, every one of us came in here with hurts, with habits, and with hang-ups. We've all got them. Don't be a Pharisee and act like you don't. Hurts, habits, and hang-ups. You're not living in freedom right now. You're not living in the freedom of Christ because you're bound up in your hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Now, hear me. John Baker says this, and I've been doing this. I've been journaling every day this year. I've never been a journaler, but I'm doing it this year, all right? So I'm writing stuff down every day, and some of it's pretty, some of it's Bible verses, and some of it's not so pretty because I'm just trying to be honest before God, writing it down. I was with a preacher the other day, and he, we were just talking about life and things, and he said, you know what I did the other day? He said, I was just so in such a bad way. He said, I sat down and got a notepad out, and I just wrote it all out. And he said, it was ugly. He said, I wouldn't want my wife or my kids to read it. He says, as a matter of fact, some of it I was embarrassed to write down in front of God, to be honest. And he said, I got to thinking about it. He said, you know what I did? He said, I went outside, and I took those papers, and he said, I sat them on fire. I just gave it all to the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm placing it in your hands. It's yours. I'm not going to live in this. 
because I want to live in freedom. I want to be free in my heart and my mind and live every day in light of the fact that the worst thing that could happen to me would be that I open my eyes and I'm in the presence of the Lord. John Baker said, write it down, pray about it, and then talk with somebody about it. Find you a Christian brother and talk about what's going on in your life. Get them to pray with you, encourage you, support you. Jesus came to set us free, and he has made a way. He has made a way for us to live in freedom.